Welcome to Establish the Edge. I'm your host, Mike Leone, bringing to you a special FFPC episode going to look at their FFPC Playoff Challenge 2 that starts with the divisional round. So if you missed out on their initial contest that started with the wild card round or your teams are dead or you just need more action, uh, this is a great contest to play with a 100K grand prize up top. I'm going to give you five tips to help you take down that 100K grand prize. Before I do want to note that this episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. If you head over there and haven't deposited before, use promo code ETR. They'll match your initial deposit up to $100. They also have a lot of fun playoff contests going on, including their weekly Battle Royale drafts, which is like a DFS snake draft type of thing. So make sure to check that out. Now, as far as for the FFPC Playoff Challenge 2, it is different from the initial contest. And for those of you that are just new to this contest in general, you're going to take one player from each team. There's eight roster spots. So you're going to have exactly one player from each team. You can't double up on players from a team. You're going to have one quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, one tight end, and two flex. There are some scoring intricacies. Quarterbacks are one point per 20 yards passing instead of 25, but it's still just four points per passing touchdown. Tight end is tight end premium. So it's going to be full PPR for running backs and wide receivers, but tight ends are going to get one and a half points per reception, which is an important note as you make use of the flex spots in this contest. And Super Bowl is worth double points. So you could have a situation where Travis Kelsey outscores, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes, the the first couple rounds, and then the Chiefs go to the Super Bowl, but Mahomes outscores Kelsey in the Super Bowl, and he becomes the optimal quarterback that you want to use because that gap is double up in the Super Bowl. So without further ado, five tips here, and I'm going to go, go to the FFPC website, and you can click and kind of see the structure here. But the first thing that you're going to notice with this contest is the prize structure. There's a $100,000 grand prize, but there's only a $260,000 prize pool over here. So that's extremely top heavy. You are not playing this contest to make a few bucks. You are not playing this contest to have a sweat and get your money back. You know, you want to play this contest to try to win, to try and take first place overall. And despite how obvious that should be, the field is going to play this more like a DFS cash game than a GPP. You know, they're going to play all the best plays. They're going to feel really comfortable with their roster. They're going to click all the comfy clicks. They're not going to make any tough clicks. And what that's going to result in is a lot of duplicated lineups, which increases the EV because you have to beat less lineups to get that top prize. And you need to make sure your lineup is unique. Every time your lineup is played by somebody else, it's decreasing the expected value that you have in terms of your outcome. So Make sure to get unique. And honestly, all the subsequent tips basically flow from that concept. So tip number two, let's use the initial playoff challenge ownership to help direct you as far as how you're going to get unique. And I pointed this out if you listen to my recap podcast, but Fantasy Mojo was thankful enough of putting on his site the ownership from the $35 and $200 buy-in contest for the initial contest on his website, publicly available for free at fantasymojo.com. And we can use that as a guide. Now, this contest is different in structure. Uh, the initial contest included two additional flex spots, a kicker, a defense. And of course, with 14 teams initially, that meant two teams you weren't taking any players from. So there was more to it than that. Um, now, every team also has the same amount of you know games that they could potentially play the rest of the way since there's no bye weeks. But And 
some players put together really big or really bad performances round one, which is going to affect people around two. Ultimately though, I think this will be a really good guide. And right off the bat, the thing I want to point out, Jalen Hurts looks like a really good quarterback to choose in this, you know, playoff challenge, divisional round starting contest. He came in at just 15% in the $200 contest. That was very similar to Joe Burrow, very similar to Patrick Mahomes, way less than Josh Allen. Josh Allen was about 50% owned. He was as owned as the next clear top three quarterbacks combined. And I think there's going to be some other examples where we can use ownership from round one that at other positions, but I can make some other points there. But here I want to focus on quarterback where Josh Allen no longer gets that extra game in the wild card round over Mahomes and Hurts. So that should squeeze the gap, whether it does or not, I don't know. Um, and then also, you know, Jalen Hurts, of course, doesn't have the bye week and his path just got easier, right? We got the upset with the New York Giants round one. So instead of playing a really good Dallas team, he plays a Giants team. The spread is like seven and a half. I think it certainly would not be that high against Dallas. It'd be maybe more like three or something of, of that nature. So he's got a better chance of winning. And I think he's got a better chance of separating from his teammates than Joe Burrow Mahomes does. Allen clearly, I think, the best play in terms of the most likely quarterback. But of the next plays, I don't think Hurts Burrow Mahomes should be owned evenly. Mahomes has to compete with Travis Kelsey, who is you know a much tougher score to compete with. And again, this is where the gaps matter. So you not only need the high scoring quarterback, but how much Jalen Hurts outscores his teammates by is is as equally important as how many points Patrick Mahomes outscores Travis Kelsey by. So I think Jalen Hurts has a better chance to outscore his teammates by a wide margin than Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow does. Burrow does have some QB sneak upside and they are a little bit spread out, but um, you can see Chase or Higgins or someone really having a dominant Super Bowl, which would make it tough. Hurts has that big time rushing upside. I also think it is interesting now too, where some of these underdog quarterbacks They've, they've already won a game. So their chances of going to the Super Bowl are a bit higher. If you do have a take that you think Trevor Lawrence can get to the Super Bowl or the Cowboys can get to the Super Bowl, Dak and Lawrence were not played very much in the initial contest. And I think they would be really contrarian. I don't think I'm going to do that. I'm only doing a couple entries in this contest, but it's an interesting thought. Not sure if Dak in particular will see an ownership bump because he had such a huge score in round one. Third tip. Take advantage of the market overconfidence. The market's overconfident in terms of the bracket, who's going to upset who. They just kind of assume the chalk bracket. You also see lots of overconfidence in terms of the major player on a team versus the secondary players on a team. And what I mean by that is Jamar Chase in the initial contest came in at like 66, 67% owned. T. Higgins. And Joe Mixon rolling about 10% on each. So that's the overconfidence example in terms of teammates. In terms of upsets, you know, there's going to be, it's probably not going to play out perfectly chalk. And if that's the case, if Jacksonville upsets Kansas City or if Cincinnati upsets Buffalo, the player that's going to be used on the team that lost and got upset, there's a lot more variance there in a single game, particularly if Josh Allen is really chalky. If the Bills lose, it's going to be really hard for him to be the optimal quarterback because generally quarterbacks are outscoring their teammates overall. And you need those additional games to build that gap between your teammates. And 
Um, so that's something to consider. Some of the best spots, and you can find a spot on basically every single team, but the ones I'm looking at are you know, T. Higgins over Jamar Chase, Dallas Goddard with his tight end premium scoring over A.J. Brown, him or Devonta Smith over A.J. Brown, Jarek McKinnon over Travis Kelsey, I think is a good one. Kelsey was extremely high owned in the initial contest, 74%. I think in this version, he could be just as highly owned or even higher owned. I think he's going to be extremely high owned, which you know, leaves, you know, if we get playoff workhorse McKinnon, that makes him a great option. He was only 8.7%. So you're looking at Kelsey about nine times the ownership of Jarek McKinnon. Fourth thing that I want to note, it's it's okay to get cute on this contest, but not a lot. In the initial contest, I don't like to get cute at all. What I mean by cute is taking kind of an off-the-wall type play. You know, one of the examples I use round one is like, you don't really need to be taking Tyler Boyd as your Cincinnati player when T. Higgins and Joe Mixon already provide a ton of leverage off of Jamar Chase, and they're much more likely to put together big fantasy performances. They are really high-end fantasy performers that would be extremely chalky if they just didn't have Jamar Chase there. So asking Tyler Boyd then to not only outscore Jamar Chase, but to outscore Joe Mixon, to outscore T. Higgins, and to do it in a way that it's a meaningful difference for your team, I think those types of plays are a little bit too cute. Um, Brandon Ayuk over the San Fran players. If you play a San Fran loss, maybe you could do that. That's tough. Miles Sanders is another tough one where like, I'd rather just play Dallas Goddard, who I know is going to be low. Sanders is tough because if you think through that one, he's. it seems hard for him to be the optimal Eagles player over multiple games. So you would need him in one game. And he's not really the type of player you want to take in a single game loss because he's a bit game script dependent. Now, weird things happen. Games don't always play out. A team couldn't play from ahead and end up losing the game. And we could see that GPP winning performance from Sanders. But I'm more interested in stuff like, let's go Gabe Davis over Stefan Diggs. The targets for Gabe Davis have been huge lately. His touchdown rate is higher than Stefan Diggs on a per target basis. He's a downfield player in a one or two game scenario, or just like, an explosion in the Super Bowl, he can get there. And in the initial contest, we saw Stefan Diggs come in at 46% owned. And keep in mind that Josh Allen was 49%. So um, that only leaves 5% for all Bills players. And Gabe Davis was 1.4%. That's the type of extremely low owned thing that you can get. So um, make sure make sure you do, if you're getting cute, I think it's more a play like that where you can see the path to picking up a lot of points and there's less teammates sort of to overcome, especially in a loss scenario. It's probably Buffalo losing either this round or next round is sort of the bracket you want to play. Another one I like giants pass catchers over Barkley. You know, the giants didn't really run a lot. The game against Minnesota, I think some of that was matchup dependent and they're certainly going to dial back the pass rate in this one, but they were trending more pass aggressive over the course of the year. And if they get down, I don't think they're just going to run, you know, Saquon Barkley if they get into a negative script here. So there's some routes to where Barkley fouls and you get Isaiah Hodgins or Darius Slayton or even Richie James with a pretty big game. They've been very condensed in their passing tree the end of the season and into that playoff game. And those are the plays that, you know, those feel a little bit cute, but the Giants are likely to lose this game. 
And given that they're likely to lose this game, I don't think it's that crazy to expect a Giants pass catcher to leapfrog Saquon Barkley. The fifth point I want to make is you know, don't overrate running backs. You know, if we look at our points expectations rest of the season, we go this if you go to establish the run, we have projections for the rest of the playoffs using FFPC scoring. And you're going to see if we do it on a per game basis, even you see, you know, Travis Kelsey, Jamar Chase, you see a lot of pass catchers up there. You do see some running backs, but the running backs are in a spot where this is just base fantasy points. If you think in terms of ceiling, the full PPR scoring, the tight end premium scoring makes it so that these pass catchers are more likely to have a huge outlier game and thus over multiple games, they can beat the running back, even though the running back is a little bit safer. The running backs are also, if you look at like, let's look at Jacksonville, for example, we have on a per game basis, Travis Etienne is the highest projected Jacksonville player, but I think he's a dog to, to the pass catchers as a group. And in the initial contest, Etienne was had a higher ownership than Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, and Zay Jones combined. Zay Jones in particular was only like 3%. I think Ingram was like 10 to 11 and Kirk was 14%. So don't overrate the running backs. I think there's a scenario too, where even on San Francisco with that tight end premium scoring, George Kittle's really interesting to me where, you know, CMC, of course, a hard fade. And, but if he does, if it doesn't happen for him, people might go to Debo a little bit too much because of the outside score that he had round one, the recency bias, but Kittle with this tight end premium scoring, really interesting to me. So those are five tips for attacking the contest as a bonus sort of tip. Uh, just want to look at roster construction. And I've got up right now, this is the pure chalk team, right? Pure chalk team, people are using Allen at quarterback, Barkley and CMC at running back, Jamar Chase, AJ Brown, CD Lamb, Travis Kelsey as in their wide receiver flex and tight end spot. That just leaves you with your Jacksonville player in a flex spot. I think it'll be ETN. Maybe there's more recency bias because of round one and we see Ingram or Christian Kirk come close to him. Zay Jones also matched those guys more or less round one, but I think he lags pretty far behind. But that's that's the team, right? If you're playing this team, you're drawing dead to win a, you know, it might happen. You might split with a bunch of people, but it's a really negative expected value team. If you're making just one swap off this team, you probably have a bad team. Um, if you're making six, seven pivots off this, you probably went too far. You want to make a few logical pivots. You play Dallas Goddard over AJ Brown, T Higgins over Jamar Chase. Now we're starting to talk a little bit. Now, now we've got some options. I do think that Allen's going to be so owned that it might be hard to play smart pivots and combinations off Allen teams because again, there's less combinations, but keep in mind this, this contest, the first one, the original contest is about 7,800 teams. This one, I think is like 1600 teams. So it's pretty small. You know, you don't have to do anything crazy, but do keep in mind there's stuff that's correlated. So if you go to Mahomes digs over Josh Allen Kelsey, if you think that's enough, it's probably not because while you've gotten way lower on projected ownership, making that swap, the other ownerships are correlated to what you're doing. Obviously, if you're playing Mahomes, you can't play Kelsey. If you're playing um, Mahomes, you can't play Allen. If you're not playing Allen, you're probably playing stuff on Diggs. And then it's still just the chalk guys on the other team the rest of the way. So keep that in mind as far as when you're making pivots, if you're making just a couple, are they so, are they 
pivots in such a correlated fashion that you're still going to be duped. If you can get into this contest, a team that is not duped or maybe only duped once, and it has a reasonable chance of getting there, even if it's a dog, you know, to any, to a lot of individual lineups, because you're going to give up some projected points, certainly, then, you, then you're, you're doing a pretty good job. You're doing what you're supposed to do. You're getting your money in good and, and hopefully you run good. All right. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. If you're watching this on the YouTube channel for Established to Run, please give us a thumbs up, subscribe. And if you're listening on podcast, rate, review, it helps a ton, the Established Edge podcast. We're going to continue doing this for free to get those uh, ratings and reviews. So I really appreciate it. And if you're playing this contest, wish you the best of luck. It's a ton of fun. should be a good sweat the rest of the way.